You're listening to Unfiltered with Matthew Barnaby. And Barnaby is loving this. <laughs> no filter? You have no filter. <laughs> that's yeah. obvious. That's true. That's you good say thing. whatever comes into your mind. Yeah. You don't really modulate your yeah. feelings at all. Yeah. You? It's a good thing for me, but it's a bad thing for water. What's the most you you've ever won in a sitting, not counting a tournament, like just a, a cash game, and what's the most you've ever lost? So, uh, yeah, like one day I won... 700,000, 750. And then I went back the next night and uh, played in this bigger game and ended up losing like 1.3 million. The biggest win was 700, the biggest loss was 1.3. Wow, that's a kick in the balls with speed skates. Now, here's Matthew Barnaby. Hello from Las Vegas. I'm Matthew Barnaby. This is Matthew Barnaby Unfiltered. Yes, nice to be in Vegas, in California for a week, and then off to Vegas for a little bit to catch. Game three of Vegas uh, versus San Jose. It was a great game. Old school. A lot of battles, some fights, uh, some dirty hits, uh, but an eventual big win and hat trick, uh, not only for the Golden Knights, but Mark Stone. What, a, what an acquisition he was. When you make these deals, uh, certainly you like to see them pay dividends. Uh, was in a box last night, thanks to Adrian Maloof and her family uh, for providing that. It was a great night. We were actually beside... Uh, George McPhee, the general manager of the Vegas Golden Knights, good friend. I'd uh, like to see him uh, do well. He was sitting beside the owner, uh, Mr. Foley. It's amazing how excited and nervous uh, they were. But with every shift, with every shot, with every hit, uh, they were into it, especially George. You know, very, very cool uh, thing to see uh, from that standpoint. But Vegas is a rocking building. I've said it before. Anyone that hasn't seen either be a fan of that team or be a fan of your team and come and enjoy the experience. It's like something that you will never see in another building. The atmosphere is electric. It's fun. It's loud. Uh, it's funny uh, at times. And obviously, it's, it's a Vegas show within a hockey game. So for all those naysayers that didn't want Vegas in, wow, have they knocked it out of the park. Uh, today, we're going to talk playoffs. We're going to talk Masters. Uh, Drambuie Island is back. We're going to talk suspensions. And I have a great guest, a really good guest today. One of the greatest poker players of all time, huge fan of the Golden Knights. Won over $40 million playing poker. Canadian kid from Toronto, but obviously makes his his living, uh, a very good one at that, in Las Vegas now. So, uh, yeah, look forward to having him on. Probably going to do a two-part series only because there's so much content to get with him, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you know who it is soon enough. But uh, so much content, whether it's hockey side and poker. I told you I'm a big gambler. I'm a big poker player and absolutely love hearing the stories, but also getting into the mind because poker to me has changed so much. When we think of poker, I, I, I think old school. I think as being dirty, right? Don't you think of smoke and booze and... And people play until all the hours of the night. I'm sure that still happens. Yes, it does. But it's more of it's, it's more of a sport now. And you know, it's just not it's just not gambling. These these people take it very seriously, and the m- money that they gamble with is is off the charts. But it's all a lot about math. And I'm talking Texas Hold'em for the most part. There's a lot of different games along the way, but for me, Texas Hold'em is my game. I know it's his game, and we will dive into him as soon as we get there. Uh, playoffs have started. We're off and running. A lot of surprises this year. I mean, a lot of surprises. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk that the Tampa Bay Lightning would be down three to nothing to the Columbus Blue Jackets, the wild card two, who barely got into the playoffs? Not me. Not me. I, I I didn't see many people, unless you were from Ohio, or a huge Columbus Blue Jackets fan, or a parent of one of the players, picking Columbus. I I just didn't see it. But we talk about the parity. We know it can happen. And that's why hockey is the hardest, hardest to bet on. By far the hardest to bet on. There's just so much parity. So am I surprised? Yes. Tampa Bay, all they did was score and win during the regular season. Power play was unbelievable. Number one in the league. It's not been very good. Their PK is at 50%. Their power play is at 0% in the series through three games. Kucherov made a stupid play at the end of the game. Gets suspended. Hedman's now hurt and missed game three. Where is he for the rest of the series? One of the best players, one of the best back-end players in the league. So I'm surprised, but it doesn't blow me away. 
because Columbus works hard. They have a good goaltender, and, and their power play is clicking. And with the moves that they made at the deadline to improve this team, Seth Jones has taken it to a new level. Panarin's at an incredible level. Bobrovsky, even though they were down 3 nothing in Game 1, gave them the chance with some huge saves to come back and eventually win that game, which was dumbfounded. So kudos to them. Parody's never been closer. Great win. They look to close it out at home in Game 4. It should be a great game. Kucherov does return, by the way. Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs. Dumbfounding thing in this. Nazem Kadri, what are you doing? Like, how stupid can you be? And I'm not I'm not attacking the person. I'm talking the action. You can't go cross-check a guy in the face. Premeditate. You just can't. I know you're frustrated. I know there was a knee on knee that maybe should have been called. I don't think it was dirty play. I didn't see an extension of the knee. But I understand why you get frustrated. Then you see DeBrusque hit Patty Marlowe into the stanchion, and you stand up for him. So it's a little frustration. The team wasn't playing well. You were losing the game. But you got to keep your cool. The most important thing has got to be the win. And people say, I'm a hypocrite because the way that I play, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Never put yourself before the team, especially in the playoffs. During the regular season, if it happens, okay. Playoffs? Playoffs, it's about winning. It's about winning. And this was a fucking selfish play. A selfish play. Nazem Kadri put Nazem Kadri before the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that can't happen. Playoffs are about winning. Take the guy's number. You know his name. There will be a time where you can get him back and make it clean and make it hard. But to deliberately go cross-check a guy in the face? Not good enough. Not good enough. Series is tied 1-1. Bruins found their mojo a little bit. They weren't ready, it looked like, in Game 1 against Toronto. But without Nazem Kadri, this could be a very tough series for the Maple Leafs. We'll have to see how Game 3 plays out on Monday. Carolina. Capitals. Washing up 2 to nothing. I don't think there's any much of a surprise here. I think the Hurricanes have battled really hard here. Uh, they just don't match up with, with Washington. Too much experience. Too much, uh, too much offense. They, they can beat you with, a, with so many different ways. Brooks Orpik gets the winner in overtime in Game 2. Not many people were picking Brooks Orpik. I can guarantee that. But 2-0 Washington uh, as they head to Carolina for Game 3. The Preds and Stars, series is tied at 1. Bishop's been great. Bishop's been really, really good in this series. Preds kind of found their legs a little bit in Game 2. Big, big win to tie it up. Uh, See how this series keeps going. I think it's going to be a long one. I, I really do. I think the Preds Depth will serve them well here. Uh, Goaltending for both teams has been very, very, very good. The Flames and Avalanche. Kale McCarr going to make his way into the lineup. Kid that won the Hobie Baker. Uh, An elite defenseman drafted fourth overall by Colorado. Uh, He will be in the lineup uh, right away. So burning a year on his contract. But an elite defenseman. Colorado is going to be good for years to come. Going to be really, really good good for years to come. McKinnon's a stud. Ranton's so good. Landis cogged the back end with Barry. Uh, they, they just have Samuel Girard, now McCarr. Uh, certainly they have so much depth and so much youth. Watch for them to make a buzz for years to come. This should be a good series. I, I, I thought Flames would win it in five, but the Avalanche on, on the back of McKinnon uh, finding a way to win game two in, in overtime. Uh, certainly making it very interesting. The Islanders and Penguins. Islanders are up three to nothing. Three to nothing. Three cob. Not going to pat myself on the back and say I picked New York to win. I did. I said in seven games. Doesn't look like it's going seven. And the Islanders have played their exact Barry Trotz factor to a T. They really have dragged this series through the mud and played hard and compete. Uh, power play has been good. Their, their penalty, their penalty kill has been really good. Robin Leonard, what a, what a story he's been. What a story he's been. And then this team just finds a way to win. They believe in each other and they play hard. Uh, Pittsburgh power play has not been good in the series. Sidney Crosby has not been great in the series. Not creating the offense that we're used to. A guy that had 100 points and arguably, for me, is probably best season, regular season, 
in the NHL with what he did offensively, what he did defensively. But the Islanders are flying. The Islanders are flying. They believe in each other. Robin Leonard has been the man. Comeback player of the year for sure. I don't see anyone standing a chance at getting that award from him. Uh, Battled issues mentally, and good for him. Good story. One-year, $1 million deal by Lou Lamorello and the Islanders. Going to cost you a little bit more than that in the offseason, guys. He bet on himself, and he won. Winnipeg Jets and the Blues. St. Louis leads 2-1. to one. Jets are back in the series. It was a huge win to get on the road after dropping the first two at home. I don't think the Jets have played all that bad. The Blues have played like the Blues have the last couple months. The Jets just haven't found their scoring touch. Patrick Lyonet has. That's three and three games for a guy that's very streaky. We know how streaky he can be. And I thought if he scored and, and was on this kind of roll, that they'd be rolling through the St. Louis Blues. But credit the Blues. Credit the way that they have played. Playing really hard. Uh, finding diverse scoring. This is going to be a long series. I had picked the Jets to win in six. But I could see this game or this series definitely going seven. Sharks and Golden Knights I was at the game, like I said, for game three Man, was it fun Mark Stone, what a pickup What a pickup he has been What a pickup You know know what's going to cost you at the deadline And obviously giving up a guy like Brandstrom And the picks that they gave up to land him Were a lot but in watching the Golden Knights the last two years, we know that they are aggressive. George McPhee is aggressive. The market wants a winner. And they are living up to all expectations. This team battled through, I'd say, the first couple months, struggled. Flurry gets hurt at the end, but after the deadline, we're very good. Flurry is rested, composed, and playing great. Mark Stone has done nothing but score and play 200-foot game. And Vegas is a very good team. They are a very, very good team. After dropping game one where they were not very good, games two and three, they were by far the better team. Deserved to be up two to one. And we'll look to take a 3-1 lead at home. And I think the Sharks will be without Joe Thornton, who laid a nasty check on Nosek. It's not as bad as Caudry's because I don't think it was premeditated. It was just a, a, a head check that could have been avoided, did not avoid it. It was a nasty game, frustrating game. So this could be a big loss because I think Jumbo Joe, slotted at three, is one of the best third-line centers in the league as long, uh, along with Kadri in Toronto. So that would be a big loss as they try to avoid it. Sharks obviously went all in this year acquiring Eric Carlson. They can still get in it. They can still, still claw their way back into this, but they're going to have to be better, and I think they're going to have to do it without Joe Thornton. Without further ado, has six World Series of Poker bracelets, two World Poker Tour championships, Hall of Fame inductee in 2014, and has won more than $40 million playing this little game called poker. Daniel Negrano, welcome to Matthew Barnaby and Filter. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Vegas had uh, the nice little homecoming and uh reeves put uh came down a little bit there's so a lot of fun how are you feeling i'm struggling my first day in vegas i'm, I'm struggling with uh, with the vegas flu today oh boy do we ever have the vegas flu i was smart to uber so because you know, i would have been a dangerous person out there on the road and uh we went to party a little bit after you know it was a big group of us and Everyone's in good spirits after that, like, convincing win last night. I, I say everyone on my podcast, I tell them, and on my radio show, if you haven't seen a game in Vegas, you got to get there because it is something like no other. You, you're from Toronto. I'm sure you grew up a Leafs fan, now fully ingrained into the Vegas Knights uh, cast. Uh, how awesome is it, uh, the hockey here, the reception it's had, and just watching all these games and, and the success that they've had? I mean, you're not kidding when you say, like, nobody does it like here. I mean, there's some comparables, maybe, you know, Nashville and whatnot. But, like, Vegas is a city. And this is what I was, when we were selling the idea of bringing an expansion team here. I said, first of all, you know, this is a sports town, even though we don't have a team. But secondarily, like, even if the stadium wasn't full with locals, if you're going to travel for a road game, right, and you got a choice between going to, like, Columbus or Edmonton or Vegas, right, you're certainly going to revolve around, uh, you know, your schedule around a, a Vegas trip. And, um, 
as it worked out, like the way that Bill Foley set things up for the playoffs, it's like it was pretty packed with all home crowd because they they do this thing where they like do a night's foul where you're not going to like give tickets to road fans and they don't release the tickets till the day of, which kind of destroys the secondary market. But uh, man, the place was rocking last night. You know, we had the the lights in hand and just create a cool atmosphere. It, it really was. And, and looking at this series, they didn't play well in game one. Obviously, game two and three have went through very well for them. Uh, the addition of, of Mark Stone, I interviewed, and I was beside Foley yesterday and uh, George McPhee, but I had talked to George probably five weeks ago, probably when the trade was made, and he was just ecstatic landing him, not only for his offense, uh, but also the way that he plays a 200-foot game. How excited are you, and how big a game was that for him last night? Oh, huge. As soon as we got him, I got myself a new jersey that says Stone Cold on it, you know, because he's been <laughs> awesome. But, like, one of the things, he, you know, he he's like the perfect Vegas Golden Knight player. He's just better at it than others. His skating may not be something pretty to look at, but then you just watch him out there, right? If you just if you want to learn about hockey, watch Stone. You think to yourself, he doesn't skate real, but he's always in the right place. He always knows what's happening. He knows where the puck's going to be. He's got great skill. And, like, he represents the team in so many ways because when you think how many teams in the league can boast 16 forwards that are regulars, where each one of them, each and every one of them, you look at and go, okay, he's not a defensive liability. They all play, you know, well, some play, you know, they don't play quite a 200-foot game because they're not very offensively skilled, but they all are defensively responsible for sure. How stupid was Nazem Kadri? I know you're from Toronto. You grew up uh, oh. loving the Leafs, but how stupid a play was was that on DeBrusque? You know, that doesn't surprise me with him. Like, I've, you know, hung out with him a couple times, and he's kind of a hothead. Right, I think you know you, you see that with what he, he did last year with suspended and this one. That was just such a stupid like you forget where you are. Like the Leafs change now, you can't get away with shit like that. Like he used to be able to, you know, in the seventies and eighties where you can just happen that. Like he went straight for the head with a cross check. I mean, what does he think's gonna happen? I mean, just, yeah, there's like I get you want to play rough, you want to play tough. You know, you're getting beat, but like be smart about it. You know, you want to fight the guy, go fight him, but like don't cross-check him to the head. That's a guaranteed suspension. I, I want to transition over to your, your your life and what you've done. It's been remarkable and getting to know you over the years. You're just a class person and love having fun with, with people, very engaging with, with fans and just people in general. But w- w- when did you make the move to Vegas? Um, how much money did you start with when you came? And what was life like in the early stages of becoming a, a pro poker player? Oh, man, I came out to Vegas when I was about 22. And I had already been playing poker in Toronto for like four or five years, you know, when it was big fish in a small pond. Come to Vegas, this young punk thinking like he's going to take over the city. And, you know, 24 hours later, the $3,000 that I bought, that I brought was somehow gone. And I'm just, you know, on the rail within 24 hours. And like the first couple of years, or actually the first year specifically, just a lot of learning experiences. And by learning experiences, I meant a lot of times flying out to Vegas and flying home shortly after that with no money in my pocket. Um, but it was important, right? Like with anything, you know, Losing one of two things to you. It can either make you just quit and give up and say, I'm not good enough, or drive you to be better and learn, like, what did I do wrong? What can I learn from this? And how can I improve next time so that I get it? And I'd say about eight months in or a year after my first experience there, I started, like, a light bulb went off. I'm like, all right, I got I to gotta make some adjustments here and, and uh, play a little differently. What, what was the biggest thing you had to learn? Because I, I, I love poker. I love playing. I, I obviously don't play the stakes that you play, but I, I enjoy the game. I enjoy betting all over the map. But uh, what, what, are, what are some of the mistakes you learn from, and what are the mistakes you see just people that come, tourists that, that you sometimes might play against and easy pickings for you? What's the common mistake you see with them? So for me, that sort of light bulb moment, which I had about eight months in, was in Toronto people were pretty meek and passive. So I could be the bully, like a bull in a China shop and just play super aggressive and just pound and pound and pound. Right. I took that style of poker to Vegas and these guys pushed back. I was like, what the, what the hell is this? <laughs> you know, I was like, I didn't know how to deal with it. Cause like they, you know, they understood how to deal with it. That's like, so what I learned is my game needs a little more texture. Like I need to create a table image where people don't just know, okay, he's a bull. He's crazy. He's always got nothing. He's walking all the time. I had to pull back a little bit and be a little bit more balanced with the way that I was playing the game and just, you know, being a little more patient and not taking every situation that's a possible, you know, aggressive line and, and sometimes mix it up a little more. And that was, like, very important. As far as, like, new players to do, um, I think probably they don't, you know, they call too often against professionals in big pots when they think, like, they might be bluffing. And against, like, a pro, if you're up against the pros, except for most of you, if you're up against a pro and you play hand of the river and you bet big on the river, more often than not, he's going to actually have it. 
because he doesn't think that, you know, if you're an amateur that you're smart enough to fold. He's going to kind of want you to quit. So those are the spots where you don't want to, like, play a big pot and call off with really, you know, bad hands or marginal hands. I think people that are listening that aren't big poker players, I think, still associate they might with old school poker where guys are drunk and guys are smoking and it's totally different now. It's, it's, you guys are so regimented the way that you train yourself and, and you know, the way you go, it's, it's big money. How, how has that changed in, in the perception uh, of poker in general? Well, you know, there's some similarities to hockey here too, like with all the analytics, like what we see now, it's like, it's frankly a lot of computer nerds, if you will, right. Guys who learn how to study properly by using these, you know, software programs that are what we call solvers, which can give you, like, in a situation, like, what, what is the correct computer play? So the game's evolved. Like, we don't see that, you know, sort of uh, old-school drinking and smoking, overweight at the table. These guys now, like, at the highest levels, they're meditating. You know, they're doing yoga. They're going to the gym. They're eating, like, specific diets, and they're, they're trying to, you know, really perform at the highest level. So it's definitely evolved. And if you have kind of an old-school game and you're not up to date with it, um, you'll get past that. Similar to like in hockey world, and you're just going based off feel. You know, and you're like, oh, you know what? this guy's a tough guy. And I think, well, let's look at the underlying numbers. I think the best approach is to combine a little bit of both, right? Where you, you study the numbers, but you also have that old school feel and you combine, combine them. Yeah, people don't realize the math that goes into it. Obviously, you have to have a feel, and you have to change up the way that you play depending on certain people. But math is such an integral part of it in in what you do. What what's do, would you rather play a cash game or or do you rather tournaments? I think tournaments are more fun because cash games feels like a job. And when I was starting out, that's all I played mostly was cash games because you know it's a more regular steady income. Tournaments are kind of like lottery a little bit more, right? But I like the fact that a tournament there's a beginning. You know, and there's an end, and you either you won a tournament or you lost. Like, you play a poker session, you play six, seven hours, you quit. Like, whatever. It doesn't mean anything, you know. There's no trophy at the end of it. It's just kind of like, uh, you know, a little less exciting. But, I mean, I, I'm fine with both. At this point in my life, I don't really need money that much. So, I play tournaments, which are fun, and I don't bother even with cash money, really. How much when you started out were you getting, I, I guess it would be tough, but uh, people sponsoring and putting me money behind you? And how much does that happen in just everyday poker life? Oh, that happens. Like, that's a very common practice in poker today. Like, I've always been a guy that kind of wants to play my own money. And when I was young, you know, I, that meant playing smaller limits. I, was playing with that. I didn't need people putting up money for me. Except the one time when I was in Vegas and I went broke and I had no money and guys went off. I'm like, okay, well, you know, my other choice is doing nothing, so let's do that. And then as soon as I was able to chop out and make money for myself, I went, you know, I went on my own. But today, you see a lot of guys that, like, you see these big tournaments on TV sometimes where it's, it's like a million-dollar buy-in, right? You see these kids, you're like, where the hell did they get a million bucks to play with? Well, they didn't, right? They didn't, they're not putting up all that money. They're pro- they, they got staked for it. So maybe in some of the cases, they might be playing for like 2%. So, you know, you see this kid win $15 million or something. Like, he really didn't, you know? Um, very few of the players at the highest levels actually play for more than, you know, 30%. I'm one of the few who puts up, like, all my money. I sell a small percentage to a hockey player friend of mine who, uh, who likes to sweat. In, in, in when I'm playing in the big tournaments, and, and I've made a pretty good uh, amount of money for him. Too. Is his name Phil Kessel? It happens to be Mr. <laughs> Phil Kessel. Yeah, yeah he's lucky good, man. I tell you what, good every get. time he's like, percent. I'm like, okay, and I always, I always hit big. Like when I came second for 8.7 million a few years ago in a tournament, Phil was there, and he had three percent of me. He bought for, before it started, so he's been lucky money for me. That's awesome. That's good. I love it. You know, we've I've, I've played with him with you uh, over long, so I put that. I know he does love poker and and loves watching you. So, uh, talk about your book. Talk about writing that book and uh, just the preface of it all and uh, where people can get it. Well, the books, you know, books are like uh, something I've written like a long time ago. You know, the more updated version of that today is like I did a masterclass on masterclass.com, which is a cool site. I don't know if you've seen it, like. Steph Curry teaches shooting. You know, you get Christina Aguilera teaches singing. Usher teaches like performance and dance. Wolfgang Puck teaches cooking. So you could like get a whole bunch of things. And they asked me to do a poker course. And man, it's so high end, like the way that the production quality is. That I, that's what I would recommend people do. It's like I think it's around for my course for like ninety bucks, and you can get a pass for all of them for something like one eighty, I think. Um, but I highly recommend checking out the website and seeing if there's stuff on there that you like, whether it's poker or whether it's some of the other stuff. Cause it's, it's a lot more easy to learn that way now with video and, you know, and stuff like that. I, I, who, who reads books anymore, right? <laughs> I never did. I never did. So, <laughs> but, uh, I, I have read that one. I, I read a lot of poker books, either documentaries or, or autobiographies or, or poker. And I'm in everything else is, uh, 
kind of doesn't get open in Matthew Barnaby's world. The big game at Bobby's room. <laughs> what's that? The big game at Bobby's room. That's crazy because Joel Brunson is like a legend in the game. He's like 86 now. He's still playing with all the sharpest minds in the world. Like he's clearly not as sharp. Like sometimes we'll be in a hand and playing the wrong game, but uh, you know he's still like even at 86 is able to compete. And they're playing right now typically in the neighborhood of 2,000 4,000 limits. They play a mix of like 15 different games. Like some of them you've probably never heard of, like Badugi, used to seven Raz, like all kinds of different games because it's a lot more fun and laid back. And uh, but it's again, it's, it's mostly a game where it's mostly pros. And, you know, you occasionally get a couple guys who are wealthy who, but even the guys that are supposedly the suckers, they're not that bad. Like they're actually pretty good. It's just a different, different skill level uh, required to be sitting that game. Yeah. What, what's the craziest, what's the craziest game or bet you've been involved with where you're like, Oh my God, this is, this is, this is testing here. I would say it was one night after golf night, you know, we're drinking at this like sushi joint and, you know, we're all drunk and I start getting coffee. And I'm a terrible golfer, right? Just really bad. And I'm playing TPC Summerlin pretty much regularly. Tough course. Tough like, course. Yeah. I, and we make this bet. Like I couldn't make a hundred at the time, you know, from, from the up tees. And so these guys bet me that I have like a year to shoot 80 from the back tees at TPC Summerlin. And I can't drive. I can't hit any greens because I hit my driver like 200. Right. So it's like every hole I'd have to hit driver, three wood, chip putt and hope to make par like up and down for bogey or you know something like that so i'm drunk i make this bet i make this bet for five hundred fifty thousand. wow one guy wanted 50 another guy wanted yep. 500 so now i'm like a month out and i haven't been practicing whatever. i got a month left and uh i'm like okay well i better freaking get to work so the first three practice rounds i shoot like 115 108 107 like this is gonna work out so well but uh then me and my guy we started waking up 7 a.m we went out and practiced for an hour played 18 practice uh, another hour, play 18 of another practice round, and then like another nine. So we were playing like, you know, three rounds. Of, I was there from 7 a.m. till dark every day. And then with about a week to spare, um, I start off the round first through seven, I'm two under. And now all of a sudden, everyone here is the score that have the bets. And I, there's like 60 holes out there. And going to the last three holes, I just need to bogey out to shoot the 80. And uh, of course, I like hit a, on all three holes, it was kind of crazy because like I hit a good drive. Good three went short of the green because, you know, I couldn't have any greens. And then just the nerves got to me, and I would just, I just chunked my chip, right? Like every freaking time, like all the last <laughs> holes, and like left myself with these ridiculously long two putts. And uh, the last hole, um, I got a six footer to win the bet. And I'm a good putter. That's like the best part of my game. But this putting stroke was horrendous. I almost fell down. Like I putted, and I kind of fell to my right knee. Somehow it went in, and I won the bet for 550000 um, just like at the buzzer, but shooting was, 80 right on the number, fun. shooting 80 right on yeah, the number. I had to shoot exactly. I, I didn't have to break it. I yeah. just shoot exactly 80 and I did. And, uh, you know, like, you know, those guys wanted to play right after that. So we played another 18. I shot 81 right after that and some more money, but, uh, it was just fun, you know, because like when you a lot of situations are already your control, you know, like you get your money in with pocket aces, the guy's Kings, he gets the King. Well, yeah. you know, nothing you can do. Well, golf, it's on me, you know? The pressure's on on me to, to compete, and I love that. There's nothing like it, you know, gambling on golf. Most uh, fun form of gambling for me that I, I, I could find. I, I'm okay. I'm a pretty good player. I'm not a great player. I'm not a bad player. But it's funny, when when I start gambling a lot on golf, there's there's nothing more that I'm more nervous about. Like, I, I could play hockey in front of thousands and thousands and millions of people. I could play poker in a in a pretty big pot. Not not those kind of numbers, but it, and, and I don't get that nervous. I, I get a golf club in my hand. Literally, I could be 30 yards out, and I'm fucking worried about chili dipping at three feet. Like, it's the worst yeah. feeling and anticipation But you know ever. what? All you hockey players, all you hockey players, I, every one of you say, like, I'm not that good at golf. I'm not that good. And then I'm like, well, what's your handicap? I'm like, I'm a two. I'm a three. I'm like, that's pretty freaking good, dude. Like, it seems like, you know, cause, because you play hockey, every guy I've ever played with that plays hockey just has like a perfect swing. Because it's very similar, I would imagine, to, you know, like a slap shot, right? Yeah, hand-eye. I mean, I, I, I can go anywhere from a six to, to a nine, uh, depending. I, I can shoot high scores. I can shoot low scores. I, as long as it's a, a desert course, I'm, I feel good. When I start seeing tree lines... Uh, I, I fucking forget. Did you see that bet? By the way, Tiger Woods back. Love golf. I don't know if you love watching golf. It's it's my favorite thing to watch. Tiger's my favorite athlete of all time. Uh, what'd you think of this weekend? I loved it. I was glued to the TV, man. I was like, I've met him a few times. Really chill, kind of cool guy. He does a, an event here that's coming up in a couple of weeks in Vegas. 
like uh, to raise money for his foundation and stuff like that. And I was super happy for him. And I tweeted it out and all that kind of stuff. And of course, you get idiots on Twitter, whatever haters. And like one of them, you know, they're all like, oh, you know, he cheated on his wife. I'm like, okay, welcome to the vast majority of marriages. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's a flawed human being, but that's got nothing to do with things. And one guy tweeted that and said something like, said, uh, well, he cheated on his wife and he's a wife beater. I'm like, no, 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 no. His wife beat him up, okay? <laughs> With a golf club. <laughs> like, it, yes, he definitely cheated on her, okay? That's cool. We got that out of the way. But, like, she beat the shit out of him. So let's just get that fixed, right? But, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, seriously. Who, which one of us is so, so holier than thou that they've not done things they regret? Like, how many people that, that shame Tiger, if they were Tiger Woods and had the opportunity to, like, hook up with girls in every different city and, like, you know, that wanted to be with them. Like, how many of these people that are so high and mighty wouldn't have uh, likely maybe, you know, <laughs> made a few of those quote-unquote mistakes? My ex-wife, when we were getting divorced, actually one day called me a low-budget Tiger Woods in, in one of our <laughs> media, <laughs> mediation meetings. So I'm not throwing stones. I've made mistakes as well, and I agree with you. Like, maybe his moral compass was down a little bit. Now, do I wish he, he wouldn't have done it at Denny's or Perkins or one of those? I think he could have went a little higher scale, maybe to a Roos Chris or uh, a high stake out, uh, steak place. But, uh, yeah, I love Tiger. Loved it. Do, do you bet on other sports, or are you strictly poker? I'm mostly a hockey guy. Like, I bet hockey. I've had a bad year this year. Hockey's tough. Series, but hockey's been tough this year. Like, all the guys that I know that are sharp, they're, like, all losing this year. It's been so weird. Like, I've been zigging and zagging. I was high on Arizona all year. And, I, you know, I bet on them when they weren't doing so well. Then they start winning, and I laid off. Carolina, I was high on them all year. I bet them every time they lost. And all of a sudden, they start winning, and I stopped betting them. It was just, like, a, a mess. Like, I, I do a lot of, you know, preseason sort of, like, work on, you know, ranking teams, looking at lines, looking at depth, and, you know, getting a, a sense of who I think is going to outperform the market. And I had Carolina and Arizona both doing that, and I still didn't make money on them. So it's not a good year. Yeah, I, I stay away from hockey. It's funny. That's what I do, and that's what I did. And I watch 10 games a night, and it's so hard because you have to lay, like, unless you're, you're taking the favorite you got you got to lay that goal in a half and it just i i just get i just get killed i don't mind betting series i don't mind laying props or doing futures for for stanley cup i like that but i do do a lot of the series but i don't really do in game one game outs uh, uh during the regular season I, I i was reading today in just some of your stuff and uh i think you said you cashed like just over two million dollars but uh, you were in the hole this year explain that a little bit Oh, no, this year I'm doing good. It was like two years ago. Okay. Last year I, I won like a couple million. But, if, yeah, people don't get it. Like, you know, when you see, oh, this kid cash for $3.5 I was like, okay, that's what he cashed for. How much did he spend, right? Yeah. There was a year, like I think, yeah, a couple years ago, I cashed for $3 million or something, and everyone was like, wow, what a good year. And I'm like, yeah, but I spent 3.1. <laughs> so yeah. I basically, you know, for all intents and purposes, broke even. But the betting thing you talked about, like I actually prefer betting underdogs, and, and I take juice back because, like, you know, as you know, like hockey's a high-variance game. There's a website that uh, called Money Puck that rates a game based on expected goals. And it doesn't factor in how good or bad the players are. But you, you'd be surprised how often the expected goals, like Carolina, for example, their expected goals were higher in both the games against Washington, but they lost both, right? So there's a, like, you know, as you know, like, there's a lot of luck in hockey. And I feel like if you, if you are going to bet on a game like that, it makes more sense to take back juice because on any given night, you know, Columbus can beat Tampa Bay. Yeah. For yeah, yeah, or they could beat them three times in a row and have them on the brink uh, <laughs> of elimination, which we all picked, right? We all picked. I wonder what the yeah, number. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, I wonder what. Isn't going to any brackets. Yeah, I wonder what the number would have been, and you might even know this because you are a numbers guy. At the start of the series, them sweeping them, what that number would have been? <laughs> well, that's funny. We were talking about this last night, and my friend had it way off. I'm thinking it was like a thousand to one. Like it, it's less than one percent. It had to be one tenth of one percent. I can't imagine, you know, as a four to one favorite, which Tampa was going in. Like, um, although, you know what? Columbus did finish strong. They won, like, seven out of eight. They added all those tools. They finally got it together. That's why I wish that they would change the playoff format. Because imagine if, like, Tampa Bay, who's the one seed, gets to pick their opponent in round one. Does anyone think they would have picked Columbus? No. I don't think so. No. Right? Carolina, so like, they probably would have taken. Getting the, man, I, I, was, I thought maybe the Islanders or Carolina, you know, possibly. But um, it, I think that would make the, you know, the league fun. And it would actually make the regular season, season worth more. Because now you win the one seed and you get to avoid these teams that just like, you know, had a late season rush just to get in the playoffs. They're playing super good because uh, that's a bad matchup for Tampa, clearly, as we've seen as they're, you know, on the brink, as you said. I, I, I've said it a lot. I'd love to see a scenario where we have a TV event and first place gets to pick their opponent. You, you pick who you want to play. Uh, talk about a rivalry uh, being instilled 
uh, if we did it that way. A lot of a lot of bulletin board material, or wouldn't it be? I just think about the shows you could create, right? So like all the content where you have the big reveal, you know, it's like okay, yeah. Monday night you get together, they're gonna, and then you have all the pun and talking about like disrespect and like imagine you know you're the four seed and you're you've been good and the one seed says no, we want you because we think you suck and you're overrated. That's like a serious that that already creates some bad blood, right? And you know between the cities, which is what you want, right? We, we the game is best when there's a little bit of bad bad blood, like we saw last night in the San Jose uh, Vegas game. You know that's that's what makes playoff hockey to me so intense and cool is a little bit of like animosity not everybody being kumbaya but uh, a little bit of fisticuffs here and there talk about animosity is is there some guys that you really like uh in the poker world that you like hanging out with when you're not you guys aren't working per se and uh guys that you don't really care for that much oh of course yeah i mean like obviously you know guys like phil ivy been buddies of mine for a long time and you know you play with these people you spend a lot of your time with them you know, you have a lot in common, obviously, with poker. But there's, of course, going to be, like, in any environment, no matter where you work, there's got to be people that you can't stand or you don't like. And for me, um, you know, I would say there's definitely some kids today that just see the world very differently, you know, in their, like, early 20s that I'm like, I, I don't know if I would call it the pansification, <laughs> the pansification <laughs> of, like, society. But, I mean, like, what the fuck? It's like, in the old, like, there's this idea, you know, you, you were asking before about, you know, buying and selling percentages of, of players. Well, you can do that now. And you can like say for example, let's say you want to buy ten percent of me in a ten k event. Well, that's a thousand bucks. Well, I might charge you fourteen hundred because I got extra value. Well, these kids today they're talking about how oh it's not right to take advantage of people and blah blah blah. I'm like, you, when, when did we get to the point where we're like babysitting people for making bad investments? Like no one's forcing them to buy. Yeah. You set a price. I agree. I buy. That's my business and your business. Well, it's just like I don't know. It's just the pansification of things. So there's a lot of those kids that rub me the wrong way, to say the least. But uh, you know. That, that's going to be true in any environment, right? You're not going to like everybody you work with. The, the, yeah, the millennials out there, I think there's probably a little less respect than when you came up and with the Doyle Brunsons, and I don't see that respect. And that's in all walks of life. This isn't just poker. This is in life in general. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's just like, again, you see the world differently. And listen, I, you know, maybe when I was young with Snapper and I was 22, like I looked at some of my elders and thought, ah, oh, this guy sucks. I can take him or whatever, you know. Um, then as you get older and wiser, you realize, like, uh, you know, you got to, you learn to respect your elders and you learn, you know, that, but when you're young and cocky yeah. and whatnot, you think you know everything. Like, I mean, every, every 22 year old kid thinks they know everything. And then they become 27 and realize they didn't know anything, you know, and then they become 35 and they're like, Oh my God, I was really stupid at 27. You know, just with age comes wisdom, period. I, I, I agree with you. I agree. I think you obviously become a much better poker player. The older you get, the, the more you learn. How much, how much do you go into just trying to change up your game um, not week to week, but uh, just learning every year different ways in playing it. Oh, you have to, right? Like again, I'll use the hockey now, but like you know how much hockey's changed now. If you're if you're like a you know old school you know goon, if you will, you can't play in the NHL today, so you have to adapt. Like Reeves has done to a certain degree, right? A fighter guy, but he's learned to play a little bit of hockey, he's learned to be effective with checking and things like that. With poker, um, the game has evolved and it continues to. Like every six to eight months, there's like new trends and new betting patterns and new things that like. If you don't keep up on it, you get passed by. Like for my era, the 2004 era when poker was super hot on TV all the time on NBC and Fox, a whole bunch of people from that era, they, they can't compete anymore because they haven't put in the work. So every six, every year or so, every couple of years, like I, I'll work with some coaches and who know the software programs that I'm not so familiar with, and they'll kind of show me some of their latest uh, you know, information. I'll watch some game film of my opponents, so see if I can pick up any body language tells and things like that. But uh, it's yeah, it's important. If you want to be at the top of anything, you got to work hard. You got to put in just as much work away from the table as you do at the table. Dang, I'm gonna I'm gonna say a few names of, of guys you can either and, and girls, um, either one word or a short blurb on them. I'll give you four or five, starting with your good friend Phil Ivy. Fearless, just absolute beast. Phil Helmuth. Um. Narcissistic personality disorder. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Unequivocally. <laughs> Eric Seidel. Um, quiet, reserved, um, you know, classy. I would say quiet, reserved, and classy. Uh, Doyle Brunson, who was an asshole to me last year, by the way, at the Blasio. I bet he was. He's, he's surly. And you were bugging him. He's fucking he's probably down and you're he, he, shoot the shit with him he's like get the hell out of here. He's fucking surly. Then I asked for a picture after he said fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So Doyle Brunson like the godfather of poker, he's a legend. He really is. He really is. Um 
Mike Mattisau. Uh, his nickname, which is Loudmouth, complete idiot. You know, a lovable idiot. We call him a lovable idiot. Lovable idiot. Is is it for sure? That is that him in general? Oh no, he's a mess. He's on all kinds of meds to keep his brain straight. I love it. Who I played with before with, with you, Vanessa Russo. Uh, Vanessa Russo, yeah, she's now she's like a DJ chick. She's doing music, making music. You know, she doesn't really play much anymore. She's kind of out of the game. Is she out of the game? Wow, a couple bad beats and she's yeah, on to something yeah. else. I think she moved on. She's a smart woman. You know, she knows she's like got degrees and all kinds of stuff. And, um, she just fell in love with like making you know all that kind of techno style music and whatnot, doing the DJ thing. Awesome, awesome. A uh, couple more before I let you go. Thank you so much. Uh, for coming on today it's it's been great i feel like i could talk to you for hours because we have a lot of the same interest and we love to gamble which is first and foremost you got engaged congratulations when did this happen oh i did uh new year's eve i asked her it's funny story with her because i gave i bought this ring for this girl uh 10 years ago she when i met her she was 21 right she's 34 now she was 21 she was wild she was crazy she was living the fast life and all that kind of stuff she was not ready to settle down but so we split, you know, went our own ways. But I guess I kept the ring in my safe. Like I never got rid of it, which I imagine my girlfriends in between were not happy with. But, uh, <laughs> so then she comes back to town and, you know, we start hitting it off again. And now she's 34. She's like still wild, crazy fun, but also, you know, a little more sane and, and you know, mature. So uh, I was like, yeah, I got this ring still. I mean, I might as well give it to you now. So it's been great, man. It's been like an awesome uh, reconnection and, you know, it just feels right. Awesome. Do you have a date set? Yep, we're doing it May 17th, which is a bit of a bitch because, you know, if Vegas makes the conference final, I'm going to, like, have to put a big screen up at the wedding, right? Yeah. <laughs> in case, for... you know, <laughs> we're playing in the, in the conference final. So she knows, though. She's cool with it. And uh, it might make the trip short because we're getting married in Los Angeles uh, in California. So uh, we might have to travel back, like, the next day to make a game if there is one. I was going to say, if uh, if you disappear during the wedding, I'm sure she'll figure it out very quickly. It's only uh... – about yeah. a 40 I minute. didn't send Kessel. Yeah, and I didn't send Phil Kessel an invite because I was like, okay, it's May. Like, I don't want to be rude, but I mean, I think it's pretty safe now to send him an invite. He's, because, he should be because, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'd wait till after the fourth <laughs> loss, but hey, do, do what you yeah. have to do. And uh, yeah, I don't think you want to buy three uh, percent of his earnings for the playoffs this year because you're not going to make much money if 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 that happens uh no he's, yeah, he's not a happy camper i'm sure he isn't he's actually been skating pretty well he's had some some chances obviously it hasn't went in they aren't scoring you're not going to win a series when Sidney crosby through three games has zero points not conducive uh to to having that kind of success uh when i when, think you gotta wonder though yep. you gotta wonder like if sullivan's doing the right thing by putting castle on the third line yeah. like if you think about any other team in the league right you know, because he, he does play very well with Malkin. Like, what other team in the league would Kessel be on the third line? Can you think of one? I, I can't imagine. It just It's so such a strange thing. I get that he wants to balance the offense, but clearly it's not working. I think he should load up uh, and give it a shot in game four. I, I think for game four, he will be with Malkin. I'd be surprised if they didn't load up that top six. I, I know the conventional thinking, and Colorado has done it at, at points during the year. Dallas has done that with Radulov, Ben, and Sagan as well. So, uh, But I think the time is now. You're right. You got one game. If you don't, you're going to be golfing, and uh, at least he gets to go to a wedding, which is which is pretty cool. Pretty <laughs> cool. So when's, uh, when's the next tournament? When's World Series start as well? So the World Series will be right pretty much after the wedding. It's, uh, it starts in like May 30th, like right around June 1st, something like that. And it'll go for six weeks. There's events every day, big ones, small ones, depending on your bankroll. And then the big main event, which is the one that gets all the ESPN coverage, is, that's going to be um, like, you know, the one that happens in July for the most part. What's your day look like on a daily basis? And tournaments, I'm sure, are much different than your regular day. But what does your regular day look like uh, right now? Oh, it's great. Actually, life is good. I'm waking up around 10, 1030, um, hitting the gym around 12, um, doing a little bit of cardio or whatever, then just come back, like sweat, the, like do some hockey work, like look and see what the lines are looking like and all whatnot. And then I got a whole TV set up at home. I got an 88 inch, two forties on top. So, uh, from 4 PM to about 1030, I'm watching hockey on the couch. And after that, uh, me and uh, the fiance, well, we're doing this thing where I, I saw Soprano. She saw Dexter. So we, I wanted her to watch Sopranos. She wanted me to watch Dexter. So we watched two episodes of Dexter, two episodes of Sopranos, and we're catching up on that. And just like, I mean, I'm not a party guy. We don't go out much. Like we did, we do when the games are happening. Like last yeah. night, where, you know, it was a late night. 
Um, and we're feeling it today, but, uh, but for the most part, just like, you know, living a leisure lifestyle, I worked hard in my twenties so that when in my, when I was in my thirties and forties, like I didn't have to do anything. That's yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty good life. It, I'm sure you've seen the other side, people that come here, lose it all, or people that even live here and lose it all. How heartbreaking it is to watch some people that just gamble beyond their means. Oh, many friends of mine. I mean, guys who came out here to be professional poker players. And I'm like, okay, well, if you're going to be a poker player, you got to be smart and play poker and get out of the pit and not do stupid things where you're gambling on sports and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, their monthly nuts so big. I'm like, oh, how much did you make last year? I was like, yeah, you know, I made 150000 I'm like, okay, well, how much do you spend? Three hundred. <laughs> like, yeah. well, that doesn't work. Okay? You know, you're winning money in poker, but if you can't pay your bills, then, you know, that's kind of a problem. What's your favorite poker movie of all time? Rounders. Yeah, there's no other movie that, that comes hey, close, I think. Rounders was epic, you know. The writers were hey, poker players. They knew what they were doing. They made it pretty authentic. And it's like, it was a cult classic because, like, when it came out at first, it didn't do that great at the box office. But then after that, when it went to DVD or whatever, it was, like, you know, huge hit. It actually helped sort of create the poker boom because once people saw the film, um, there people, like, in Hollywood took an interest. Like, anytime you get celebrities like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Tobey Maguire playing a game, it, it makes it cool, you know, and then more people want to get into it. So Rounders was by far my favorite. Yeah, I agree with you. So many great lines in that movie. I mean, just uh, epic lines that um, just are pure, pure poker. When, when you play in, like, the World Series and you're playing against the common folk, the regular person, uh, how bad how bad do they want to take you out? How much can you see it? And how much do you use that to your advantage a lot of times? Well, it's funny, you know, it depends, right? So you got to like, that's your job. It's like, if you're playing with amateurs, like you're going to find different personality types. Some of them who are just scared shitless of you and they don't want to get near a pot with you. So when you know that you're up against a guy like that, you just bully him. You just lean on him, you know, and just push him around, bluff him, bet him, you know, like they're, they're, they're not going to be a problem. Yeah. Then you got the heroes, you know, the guys who try to mess with you and fight back or whatever. And when they do that, like, I'm pretty well prepared for that. I just kind of, like, set traps for them. You know, they want to try to push me around. I'll, like, when they want to have a really, really good hand, I'll just play it slow, play it careful, let them do the betting for me, and, uh, you know, bleed them that way. So it's all about – there's, there's no one prototype. They're all different. What's your, what's your best and worst beat uh, you've ever had, whether it's tournament or a high-stakes game? Well, I'd say that was there was one because you know the main event of the World Series is the pinnacle. That's the crown jewel that you always want to win. And uh, well, I've come eleventh twice, right? And eleventh with there's like eight thousand people in this thing, and it's very very difficult to get deep. So anytime you do, you get close. You know, you can taste it. Um, uh, but when I did it in two thousand one, I think I came eleventh. I was chip leader with twelve people to go, and I lost this hand where I had ace king and this crazy German guy. I had a pair of sixes, this older German guy, and he never should have been in the hand or whatever, but make a long story short, I lose that huge pot and it ended up, you know, I ended up coming in 11th place. And I look back on that hand and just think like, if that was today and as much as what I know about the game now, I wouldn't have even gotten involved in it. And I would have just chipped away and like did a little more jabbing and not, you know, take such big risks like I did in that spot. So, you know, one of those things where you can't get it back, but like it's a learning experience. And as I look back at it now, I'm like, man, I would have just played that totally differently. Well, what's so that's the- frustrating. Yeah, I'm sure. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and you learn. Like you said, you learn, and you've been very successful in adjusting along the way, and I'm sure you've used that uh, to your knowledge. But what, what's the most you, you've ever won in a sitting, not counting a tournament, like just a, a cash game, and what's the most you've ever lost? So that actually all happened within a three-day span. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like one day I won 700000 750 in a game, playing, you know, like eight to ten hours. And then I went back the next night, and uh, played in this bigger game with Sammy Farha and Pilo and ups and all this kind of stuff. And I was playing for like 30 hours and I ended up losing like 1.3 million on the session. So the biggest win was 700, the biggest loss was 1.3, and they happened back to back because it was a very big game. Wow, that's a kick in the balls with speed skates. I was playing for a Paddock Philippe with Tom Barrasso, and we used to have a rule if you didn't have cash or a check, then you couldn't make the bet. And he didn't have any cash left, he didn't bring a check. And he looked at me with his $10,000 watch and he says, can I use this? And I, I knew I had the nuts. I knew there was no way he could beat us. So he put it in and his full house lost to my full house. And yeah, it was uh, certainly not 700 or, or 1.3 million. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much. Again, oh, but there's one more story I want to add just before I finish on that note, because you're saying that, you know, you play on, you don't play on credit. Like years ago, Phil Ivey and Gus Hansen, who are friends of mine, the three yep. of us played a 48 hour session for two days. And we were playing in San Diego. None of us had any money on us. We were playing with $1 chips, but they represented thousands. Like, so there was one point I was down a million 
Wow. And Phil Ivey looked at me and, is this, and he said, is this your first time? You broke your cherry. I'm like, what cherry? He's like, you know, your first time being stuck, you know, a million or something like that. But I got it all back on that night. But it was just funny because the three of us are out there. Nobody has 500 bucks on them, but we're playing 4,000, 8,000 limits and, you know, for millions of dollars. That's crazy. I, I don't know because they always say, like, you, you, you can be a good poker player and, and playing 2-4 or 2-5 or 5-10, whatever it is. But it's funny because you can't change the way you play determining what you can afford to lose. Like, you can't go a guy that's a great poker player at 2-5 but can't afford the 50 hundred. Uh, it's two totally different worlds. You have to be able to play the exact same way, don't you? Oh, you're 100% right. Like, if you can't afford to play right, then you shouldn't be in that game. Like, if you can't afford to make the big bluff where you risk it all in and you're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, that's a car. That's a down payment on a house. If you're thinking like that, you've already lost. I, I, I agree. Daniel, thank you so much. I, I, again, I could go on for hours. I want to, in a few months down the road, I'd love to have you back on after your wedding. Good luck with that. Um, glad she got the ring after 10 years. I'm glad you held off for the, for the right one. Uh, you're a tremendous guy, tremendous poker player, big advocate of the Vegas Golden Knights. Hopefully they go far. Six times World Poker Bracelet Champion, two World Poker Tour Championships, Won more than $40 million. He's lost a million. He lost 700000 but those are different stories. He got it all back. And a Hall of Famer in 2014. Daniel, thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you. Maybe I'll see you at the game uh, tomorrow night for Game 4. I'll, I'll be there. First round's on me. Awesome. Sounds good, buddy. Have a great day. Take care. Ronald, arguably the best poker player of all time. I, I'm fortunate to get to, to have met him several times uh, along the years, played poker with him. Uh, a few times. Uh, I forgot to even bring it up. Damn me. Last year, uh, during the Stanley Cup playoffs, I want to say it was against Winnipeg, but I'm not positive. I'll, I'll ask him for confirmation. But I remember he put out there, it's going to be 5-1 Vegas. And I said, would you like to make a bet on Twitter? And he goes, absolutely. He goes, I'll, I'll, you pick a score, I'll take a score. So I bet him $20,000 that the score would not be 5-1. And I had picked, I believe it was three to two for Winnipeg at the time. Well, the score was three to two with only a few minutes left in the game. And uh, they ended up making it four to two. But yeah, we, we, we came out there. I made the bet for 20,000 right away. I guess it wasn't, I, I thought it was being a big wheel betting 20 grand, which is a lot. It's a lot, a lot of money for me. And here I find out that he's lost, you know, he won $550,000 on the golf course, lost over a million dollars in a 48-hour session playing poker with Buddy. So I'm guessing twenty grand did not mean that much to, to Mr. Negrano. But yes, a, a world-class person, a world-class poker player, uh, just infectious, contagious personality when you're around him. He's just so good to, to everyone around him. So, Daniel, thank you. Good luck. Good luck at the World Series of Poker. Uh, I agree with him. Rounders is the best movie of all time. If you love poker, check, check, check. You check, check, check all night long. Paid that man his fucking money. Paid that man his fucking money. Great movie. Great movie. Next up, Mama B. Mama B is on her way. She's feeling a lot better. She's got a story to tell today about Matthew Barnaby when he was young. Let's get her on the line. Mama B, how we doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, you're feeling better than last week, I guess? Yeah, I'm okay. Awesome, awesome. How's the weather there in Ottawa? I'm in Las Vegas right now. It's feeling pretty fucking good, Mom. Go away. This is, it's very damp today. It's been raining since yesterday. Yeah? But it's supposed to turn nicer tomorrow. I love it. Have you been following the Stanley Cup playoffs? Pardon? Have you been following the playoffs? Yes, I have. Yeah? Who do you like? What do you think of Nazem Kadri? Was that fucking stupid or what? Yeah, that wasn't smart. Yeah. But you know what? They get in the heat of the moment, and it happens, right? Yeah, selfish, selfish, he's selfish suspended. bastard. He's going to be... He's been suspended. Yeah, he's going to be suspended. He's a good player. He's a great player. He's a great player. Yeah, exactly. He's been good. Have you seen Mark Stone? I was at the game last night. Mark Stone, former Ottawa Senator. I'm sure you love him I know. as he's a Sen. Eh? Yeah, he's good. He was even good here. He was great here, but that fucking owner wouldn't pay him. I know, I know. That's what... Uh, that's what he's all about, Melnick. I know. He's a cheap, cheap bastard. He loses such good players. You know what I heard from someone that worked within the organization? They are no longer there. They looked over at him one day, and I guess the joke was behind his back that the employees have actually more money than the owner. 
that was the joke within within the room. But uh, if he ever sells well, it, I think he had money. I think he had money. Yeah. But don't forget, he got divorced. Oh shit! Uh, I've been there before too. And he lost money. But anyway, uh, no, I don't know. He. He he's a mess. I think he's a mess emotionally. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think yeah, she just sell he, it, take his he, money, and move. Right. Exactly. Go to Bahamas. Go go just enjoy his life with his cocktails and his new liver out in. Uh, well, he should stop the cocktails because he just had a liver transplant. Mm. He's going to die. Yeah, well, with a new liver, he's got a lot of time. He can he can corrupt that well, one. I know, but still, the end result is you know what. All right, question. We're gonna do. Fuck, kill, Mary to start it off, and then I think you have a story for me today, don't you? I do. You do. Okay, we're going to play Fuck, Kill, Mary. I'm going to give you three. You have to fuck one, you have to kill one, and you have to marry one. Are you ready? Can I say bang instead of that other you word? You can say bang, yes. Yeah, you don't have to say okay. fuck. Okay. Okay, so bang, kill, Mary for, for you. Uh, okay. Jennifer Aniston, Cher, Rosie O'Donnell. Which one would Rosie you like? Rosie O'Donnell? Yeah, which one would you like to bang, kill, or marry? Well, I think I'll kill Rosie. Okay, kill Rosie. Donald Trump, you're, I think he'd like to kill her too. Uh, which one would you like to bang? Now, who's the other two? Uh, Cher. Cher. She was ma- married and. to Sonny, remember? Sonny and Cher? Yeah, 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 yeah. And Jennifer Aniston. Do you know who Jennifer Aniston is? I guess I could marry Jennifer. Yeah, she's cute. And right? bang uh, Cher. Yeah, I think, I think Cher would be freaky, don't you think? Yeah, I think she's pretty freaky. She'd be freaky, so that's what you want? You want the freaky one? I guess for one for a chance. All right, Just I like for, it. For a change, for not a, a chance, for a change. For a change, I like it. Okay, so you're going to kill Rosie O'Donnell. You're going to fuck or bang uh, Cher because she's a freak. And Jennifer Aniston, you're going to marry because she looks yeah, very sweet. I like Jennifer. Yeah, I like Jennifer too. I liked her with Brad mm-hmm. Pitt, but that's, that's, that's a story for another day. Uh, what's your story? What's your story on your, your beautiful favorite son? Oh, my beautiful favorite son. Okay, maybe I've, I've been thinking about that. I think it was, uh, I'm not sure. I think you were only 11 years old. Okay. And I don't know the story. Anyway, so. you were going to a hockey tournament, and I think it was either in Pembroke or Cobden. I'm not sure. Small little towns outside of Ottawa, about an hour. About an hour, at yeah. least an hour. Okay. Maybe an hour and a half, yeah. Well, Pembroke would be. But the old highways then. Yeah. Uh, but Cobden maybe an hour. Anyway, I'm not sure which one. That's that's neither here nor there of it. Um, so you said to me, you uh, we received a call. You were going to a hockey tournament, like I said, uh, with your hockey team, the winter hockey team. And um, we had a phone call this one afternoon when I got home from work. And it was from... Uh, one of your uh, soccer coaches or assistant coaches, and they were planning to have on Saturday and Sunday uh, to start the season off with an indoor soccer tournament. And it was for Saturday and Sunday of that same weekend as the hockey tournament. So you said, oh, yes, I can go. I'll be there. My mother will make sure I get there. So when you got off the phone, I said, what's this all about? And you told me. And I said, Matthew, I am not driving you from Pembroke or Cobden. Bad mom. Ottawa. That's bad parenting skills. Bad parenting skills. Pardon? Bad parenting uh, skills. Do you remember that? I do. I do. I remember what I, how I tried to do so it. So anyway, you were very upset. You said, why not? It's not impossible. I said, well, we don't even know the, the times of both of either games. We don't have a clue. And so I wanted to so I, 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 I decision, but, but I, I'm not doing it anyway. I came up with a great way around that. A great way around it. You didn't have to drive. No, you didn't come up with anything. I came up with a. I came up with a great way. Behind my back. I came up with a great way and solved the issue if you would have let me and give me your credit card. Now, exactly. But what kind of a thing was that? You, I came home from work. I went to work the next day, and you went to school, of course. When I came home from work that next day, for me, the whole situation was finished. But I came back from work the next day, and I get a phone call from the Carp Airport. 
It's it's a, a that was very a nice of them town. to call. Carp is a small town, yep. not too far from Ottawa, and they have a very small air base. You know, for small planes owned by private citizens, and also they do rent out charters. Well, you decided on your own that would be the best route to be able to travel back and forth with a a, a little plane. It's brilliant. Brilliant. And we'd have to hire a plane plus a pilot. Brilliant. Brilliant the idea for Matthew. Dro- you know what I am? You know what they call me? A train, a you know plane. What, you know what they call me? Pardon? Problem solver. Pardon me? They call me the problem solver. That was a... T- oh. I asked you, what kind of money did you think I had? Well, you're fucking cheap for not doing that for your kid. Well, I'm very sorry. Fucking cheap. You should have rolled it out and got me to both the events. I said to you, make a decision. If you want to not go to the hockey tournament, which you really had pledged that you would be going, and you were on the team, or do you want to go to the, you have to make a decision, or do you want to go to soccer? In the end, in the end, this all comes back to you. In the end, I get a phone call. No, you don't even tell me. You phoned. You phoned and you arranged to hire a plane. I don't know where you got your knowledge to talk, but you arranged to hire a plane and a pilot. Yep, I, I tried. I tried. It did not work out. That was... Uh, well, no, that was... because they phoned me that uh, evening yeah, yeah. and they told me about this situation. And I said, my God, he's 11 years old. Yeah, it didn't It didn't work out for Matthew. I, I Again, it comes it back... It didn't work out. Do you understand today? It, it, what if your son had done it, that? It comes back to bad parent. I'd be a great parent, Mom. I'd say, yes, son, I would rather you attend both and I will do anything feasible. It's okay, Mom. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Never you mind. You know you wouldn't do that. You'd have to be an imbecile to do that. Are, are we into the cocktails yet? A bloody yet? imbecile. Are we into the cocktails yet, Mom? I'm in. I, I'm, I'm going to... No, I'm not. I'm going to crack one open. It's uh, it's 3.53 Vegas yeah, well, time. Yeah, it's about something. Okay, you getting ready? Old Matthew Jr. plays tonight, a playoff game, so they start their their best of three series, home, home, and home against Dubuque, but I'm getting in one tonight in the famous words of Mike Comrie, I'm getting drunk. I'm going to get drunk tonight. Yeah, it's Vegas, Mom. It's Vegas. Oh, goodness. When are you, but when are you going back to California? Oh, I'm going back in a couple days. Well, Mom, thank are you. Are you doing your show? Yep, doing my show. Your radio show? Yep, doing it all. I'm doing it all. Making dreams come true. I love well, you. You better get to Ottawa soon. Okay, thanks, Mom. You better thank- get home to Ottawa soon. All right, you have a great day. Mom being Mom, love you. Uh, enjoy the cocktails. Enjoy the playoffs. Thanks for the story. And, uh, yeah, we'll end with uh, you were a terrible, terrible parent not getting that play. That's not so. Bye-bye. I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree. Yes, uh, Mama B is good. She uh, probably should have been a better parent and got me that plane to get me to both events. I I would have done that for my kids, but I guess I'm a I'm a better parent. I was always always finding a way. I never wanted to miss out on anything. Love sports. Absolutely loved it and tried to do as much as I could with it. Again, uh, I want to thank Daniel Negrano. Um, with all he's done in the poker world, the the six World Series poker bracelets, the two World Poker Tour Championship, he's won more than forty fucking million dollars playing a game called poker. Very smart, uh, so good at math, so good at reading people, and I've played with the likes of uh, of him. And and uh, uh, when we look at um, great players. Um, Vanessa Russo was a great one. I didn't know she'd stepped away, like you said, and she's pursuing other things because she is a terrific, terrific poker player. And it's funny, poker is one of those things where you can be a professional athlete, you can be a construction worker, you can be a doctor, you can be a grandmother, and all sitting at the same table. And there's just so many good players and people that just love the game. I love it. I could sit there for 20 hours straight. I don't know if I could do 48 but I could do 20. I, I think I could do 20. I'm sure I've done 20 on numerous occasions. I'm actually going to play poker tonight at the Bellagio. Go have some fun and and uh, see where it takes me. Playoffs, again, I just want to reiterate a uh, couple series that could be over by the next time we talk and review everything. Columbus up 3 nothing on Tampa and the Islanders with a 3 nothing lead over the Pittsburgh Penguins. Don't bet against Sidney Crosby. But 3 nothing is going to be tough to come back from a team that works so hard. These series, uh, this will be the biggest disaster maybe in NHL history from a team in Tampa that won 62 games, 
and could get swept in the first round. Don't think Hedman is going to play. Kucherov is back, but they are going to have to find their game and find it quickly if they are going to knock off Columbus. Look for Joe Thornton to get suspended, I believe, one or two games for his hit in Vegas last night uh, on Noshik. Kadri uh, deserves at least five games. I'd throw on two just for being stupid. So you get five games for the cross-check, and here's two for being a fucking idiot. Two. Just two for stupidity. I think that should be along the lines. Uh, I'm going to enjoy my time in Vegas. It's beautiful here. 85 degrees. Going to watch the games as we speak. They start at 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock Vegas time. I love it. I love watching games out here. A nice dinner. Maybe a nice show. And uh, maybe even party it up. Maybe I'll be as hungover as Mr. Daniel Negrano was today. Thank you for listening. Matthew Barnaby Unfiltered. You can catch me on Sirius XM, Channel 91, NHL Network. Uh, my Twitter is Matt Barnaby 3636 I do have a website coming as well, MatthewBarnaby36.com. Should be ready in the near future. Uh, have a great day, and I always leave you with a quote. I, I told you, I always leave you with a quote, and today is... If you don't know who the sucker is at the table, you're probably the sucker. Get out. If you can't realize who it is, you're probably the fucking sucker. Have a great week. Love it. Love the Stanley Cup playoffs. Love the Masters. Great Tiger. Daniel Negrano was amazing. Fuck Kill Mary with my mom was awesome. See ya.